Welcome to That's Dope. On today's episode, we are joined by two lawyers from Mackerel Solicitors. Elliot and Nick specialise in cannabis and psychedelic medicines. We had a great conversation with Elliot and Nick about the current drug laws in the UK, medical cannabis, why patients aren't getting the access they need, and what it would take for the UK to legalise cannabis and other psychedelic medicines. We hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for coming on to the show. Um, yeah, and if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourselves and what you do, and we can go from there. Wicked. Well, pleasure to be here. Thanks very much for inviting us. Um, so Nick and I both work um, at Mackerel Solicitors. We're a firm in headquartered in, in London, but we've got offices all over the place um, and in other countries because we're part of an international network. I'm working mainly with psychedelic medicines at the moment. I did a lot of work in the cannabis legal space over the last couple of years. Um, and Nick's also in the department and he, he also does, does both. So how do you, how do you uh, break up the work between uh, cannabis and psychedelic medicine what's the division mm. it's very different actually because if we think about how the the cannabis world works you've got cbd which is usually wellness it's cbd products things that you know see on, on the shelves um and then you've got medical cannabis which is a whole separate pharmaceutical regime it's, it's a lot more involved and then if you look at the, the psychedelic medicines that follows the same legal regime as the medical cannabis so those two sort of sit in the same bracket and then the CBD wellness kind of sits, that's kind of how they set up. Um, and in terms of the department, we, we all muck in as best as we can really, because it's just very, very lively as you can imagine. You've got to kind of jump on it. So I'll do it my introduction. My name is Nick. Uh, I work with Elliot <laughs> in the uh, psychoactive medicines uh, department. And I also uh, am a cannabis lawyer, a cannabis specialist. So as he said, our, our department sits side by side. And there are some echoes in, in the work and the clients and in the excitement. But um, we do see a lot more focus of wellness, as Elliot was saying, in the cannabis space at the moment, because um, medical cannabis um, and cannabis which contains higher THC, for example, is, is a psychoactive medicine. It has psychoactive effects, so that will, will fall under the psychedelic medicines uh, practice. So that's why they're quite similar. I find it quite weird that they're, um, that they're still classified as... I understand, obviously, the reasons you've just given, but considering the fact that a lot of the cannabis stuff that actually helps with a lot of conditions, you need some THC in there as well as the CBD for like the pain aspect. So I don't know, like, why is it they've completely sort of separated them CBD from THC weed? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, so it's kind of twofold. Firstly, you've got the fact that the THC is a controlled way. It, it's, we say it's illegal, but it's, you know, it's controlled. CBD isn't. So they can kind of be separated in that regard, but it's it's really about the uh, sort of the checks that are made because the CBD sector is completely unregulated. So you can, I mean, people stuff it in like dog food, or we don't do that in this country anymore. But they put it in, you know, rollable deodorants. I've seen some very strange CBD mm. um, products, and there's there's no regulatory oversight, so no one's checking what's in that other than the manufacturer. On the medicine side, there's a separate regulatory body that's checking that. It goes through lots of um, tests to make sure it's safe, the quality, the efficacy. And that's why that division's there. If you use CBD in medicines, then it would be exactly the same. And you'd have this yeah. very strict, like, you know, supervisory oversight. It's interesting as well, because um, sometimes CBD automatically gets classified as a medicine. So, for example, I didn't mention PETS. Um, yeah, the, the VMD, um, the vet, uh, Veterinary Medicines Directorate, um, they uh, classify CBD as a medicine if you give it to pets in the UK because they, uh, they have gone through the studies and they've shown that it actually has a physiological effect on, on the animal. 
and, and uh, under their guidance, they classify that as a medicine. So if you want to introduce uh, CBD products for pets in the UK, you have to go through a very stringent and very expensive process in order to mm. get this uh, CBD product as a medicine, basically registered as a medicine to be given legally in the UK to your, your pets. So, I mean, so obviously for, for ease of access, the way it's set up at the moment, that obviously makes a bit more sense for like more CBD products to be able to make it to the market. But do you think that for the actual sort of like benefit from what you get from the CBD, would it be better off maybe being classified in the medicine side with the THC and psychoactive sort of drugs? Well, it's interesting. I just want to say, we were discussing this earlier, um, Elliot and I actually, and something that we ponder on a lot in the office because, you know, there's lots of things to question because, you know, the, the, the regime is so wide, is that sort of cannabis is interesting. CBD, THC, these, uh, the cannabis plant has the potential to sit, at, you know, in, in the medical regime and in the recreational regime. This, is, this will be the first medicine that would have done that. You don't find medicines that have been taken recreationally for that purpose, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say, but you know, the, the idea is that, you know, the, the, the cannabis plant can be used recreationally and it has that medicinal effect. So, you know, how is this going to be treated? Yes, this is why there possibly is confusion. And that's why there might be a little apprehension in, in, in dealing with this confusion right now. So off the back of that, I guess, yeah, you're right. There's, and then there are pros and cons because when we, when we leave it in the CBD unregulated space, very easy businesses can get off the ground very quickly. They can set up, they can sell. They don't need to do, do a great deal other than taking a bit of legal advice, which they should. Um, but if, if, if then they fall into the medicine space, it takes a very, very long time to get them out. And, you know, they've, they've got to invest so much more money uh, and, and time and expertise. And what you get at the end is a much better product, which is much better for doing what it says on the tin. But then how many medicines do we see? You know, we've got medical cannabis legal in this country. How many prescriptions are we seeing? Three. <laughs> it's um, on NHS. So yeah, so there's, there's, I think, pros and cons with both of it. Well, what yeah, might yeah. be interesting as well to think about is that, you know, in, in the future, as, as, as you know, the investigation into cannabis um, you know, becomes more detailed and we start playing around with cannabinoid levels and we start discovering what they do, there could be formulations that can be um, patented that will might might have uh, uh, a specific effect, uh, a medicinal effect uh, that can treat a very targeted um, uh, indication. So you know that's one bonus that you could say, you could say that the cannabis plant does fulfil a medical need because you can target specific illnesses or specific ailments with specific levels of cannabinoids. So that's a potential route for a purely medical market for cannabis. Yeah, it is amazing, and it, it does seem somewhat bureaucratic that I could buy. Uh, like this is a CBD vape pen. I could buy it. I could probably get some medical benefit from it. But if the manufacturer said I would get that medical benefit from it, I then probably wouldn't have been able to buy it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. The amount of times we spent going over product, looking at their their labels, and it's like, <laughs> I mean, this is this is one of the, the craziest yeah. things, and that, that you can draw parallels to. And this is this goes to our, our drug laws. Remember when we had this phase of legal highs came out in two thousand and. Oh, 2004, 13, 2015. It's, it's legal. It was legal to sell it with no safety information on the package. But the second you put doses information or anything like that, even though it was a bad idea to take those in the first place, then it becomes illegal. And you're right, you see the same thing with this. It's like you've got to have bland packaging mm. and it's, we're getting there, but it's a problem. It's even subjective. Do you know what I mean? You can say one thing on the package that, you know, helps with, is different to AIDS with, it changes to does, you know, it's, you know who's who's interpreting this you know, how, how are you there's you know there's guidance yeah. on it yeah, but there's no law so yeah. is is this typically what you're dealing with um from a law perspective legal perspective is working with companies and helping them navigate 
these waters, what you can say, what you can't say, and how you would go through a process to make something a medical product, you know, and things like that. Definitely. That's right. Yeah. Nick, if you want to check, because I guess it goes into more some of the stuff you're doing at the moment. With Well, so with this, from a commercial perspective, um, and we do this, uh, deal with this a lot, you know, in, in the past and in the past few years that there have been uh, products on the market which have had uh, super high levels of THC. Um, there are products that contain pesticides that have been sourced with CBD oil from countries that maybe have a different regulatory regime. You know, they say it was the Wild West for CBD products. And, you know, so the important thing now is to make sure that if you're bringing a CBD brand, you bring a commercial um, hemp brand to market, that you have these checks in place, that you have your, your compliance in place. And this is not a sales pitch. This is saying that you're, you have a chance to have an established brand in the market. And one product that might be labeled incorrectly will damage that brand, damage that goodwill that's attached to it. And then, you know, that might have a knock-on effect for other CBD brands. So to have your, your, your ducks in a row, and to have your, 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 you know, your, your product as being what it's saying, what it is, you're, you have a chance to have, to have the, the market leader in that, in that space. So, and we're seeing already brands that have established themselves you know, and established their foothold already because they've had uh, good source products, they've had good marketing, and they've had good advice. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it definitely makes it harder when, you, when you're trying to do something that is like to benefit other people um just from you releasing a product but then you can't actually say like what it is on there we, we have the same thing with a lot of the like the seeds we sell and stuff like i think there's something that's just come in in spain recently where you can't have any information on the packet except for the fact yeah. to say do not germinate these yeah. in countries where you shouldn't germinate it so <laughs> it's going like across the board like you're not allowed to say how many weeks it takes how high it's going to be really? this is also like we're not allowed to give this advice either yeah. people call us and ask us um yeah. so it's all really tricky loads of big gray areas everywhere yeah we were talking about the same thing with um with mushroom spores and these strange rules that you get it's like you know in the cannabis space you can buy all the equipment you can buy hydroponics you can set it all up and you can stare at it and that's legal but the second you want to press go it's illegal and it's the same with the mushrooms you can I mean, the kits are legal and the spores are legal. And as soon as you put the spores in the kits, they start this as it grows and psilocybin gets in there, it becomes more and more illegal. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah, you can't do it. It's really <laughs> weird. Yeah, There's some quirks as well. Like, for example, if, you, you know, if you're selling the spores with the intention that they're going to be grown, you could be possibly facing a criminal charge because the intention is to commit a crime, which is, you know, growing, yeah. creating a controlled drug. It's completely bizarre. It so, is really great. Yeah. You were speaking about it before that, with the seeds, you can't germinate the seed, but then if you have been given a germinated seed, you can have that until it gets to the point where it's ready to be harvested. And then, you know, there's different stages where you're breaking the law and stages where you're not breaking yeah. the law. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think essentially there's definitely a, a communication error um, at the very least, but I think um, some of these laws need to be reviewed and just clarified and, and made a lot more clear. I have to say, it, it's something that goes all the way to the top because to, to give people an idea how bizarre our drug laws really are, I was looking at the, you know, which is what schedule the, the buds of a hemp plant sit in a few weeks back. And I, could, I thought it was right. It, they're, they're in Schedule 1. Now, Schedule 1 is the same as, uh, I mean, I would suggest lots of other drugs that are harmful, but a lot of them actually aren't either. Um, but to give you a comparison, cocaine and heroin are in Schedule 2. So oh, wow. a hemp bud that contains no THC is, is wow. more, more strict to be than cooking heroin. Yeah, I think they, um, they need to go back to drug well, magic, ma magic mushrooms is a, is a class A drug. 
you know, that's how that's classified yeah, in the Drugs Act. So yeah. that's the highest restriction possible. You know, my goodness, that's crazy. This is something that grows outside in the garden. Yeah. You know? Didn't it? Wasn't it used? It used to be. I think if I'm if I'm not mistaken, it used to be legal to sell them here if they were wet. But as soon as they were dry, then you've got a problem. Yeah. So oh, where... the wonderful, yeah, the wonderful Drugs Act of 2005, yeah. which, uh, yeah, basically, when they introduced that, they, the, you see, the original act, um, Misuse of Drugs Act, said uh, just like just like psilocybin and psilocin as the, the control substance, the illegal drug. But then um, people were thinking, well, it grows in these mushrooms, so if we can take these mushrooms which contain them, then all's good and well. But oh no, then 2005 came along and the Drugs Act was introduced, which actually amended the original legislation to say fungi prepared or uh, fresh or prepared, you know, containing psilocybin, also, uh, you know, class A. So yeah, captured wow. that. And uh, yeah, rather so bizarre. I've read, um, I've read quite a lot about psilocybin being really good for therapeutic purposes, uh, PTSD, mm. different treatments. So what is the actual law here in the UK right now? Are you allowed to use it therapeutically under supervision or... How does it work? Okay. Uh, it's, that, that it's completely and utterly controlled, other than in a clinical trial, if you get the right license, a control drug license to do it. So, so the, the, the wonderful people at Imperial and Kings and, and that are running all those psilocybin trials um, and the participants, they are receiving it obviously legally. Outside of that, it's not legal. Um, and, and, yeah, it, it, it's also extremely difficult for those guys who are running legitimate studies, top psychopharmacology types, to, to get licenses to do it, um, which is a problem. And also absurd, I think, because, you know, this is a whole separate issue, but, you know, you, you, if, if people really want to, they can get hold of these things. It's not that difficult. So why someone has to go through a £30,000 licensing procedure to get something that, you know, it's a professional you know, standing there. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny as well. Is that like you know, no, you know, the, the, the psilocybin is 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 the the the, you know, the key thing here. The the, the mushroom, um, you know, the, the conduit of the psilocybin. Um, no one takes any interest in that. You know, that's just you know, it's the, there's no interest to experiment with it. There's no interest to test on it because you're going to need the chemical inside of it. So again, just adds a sort of a bizarre double standard you've got here with how you're treating, you know, uh, these substances. Would you say this? confusion in drug laws is more extreme in the uk as opposed to other countries well <laughs> yeah, I don't know. let's look at canada for example yeah, it, yeah okay so so there's lots of jurisdictions that have more liberal are, are becoming to have more, you know, more liberal drug laws but they still seem to chuck all their drugs in into the same categories they don't seem to do okay, so we take ourselves back. I think it was Professor Nutt and a number of others at Imperial did a multi uh, criteria decision analysis on the harms of drugs you know, years back, and they managed to, to you know, very accurately list out how dangerous each drug were. And then you've got things like alcohol and tobacco really up at the top, and heroin at the end. You have things like psilocybin and LSD that really don't seem to cause much harm to anyone. Um, nobody classes their drugs like that, they don't do it according to harm. So, to answer it simply, probably know as a blanket approach because they go are oh, they drugs and they chuck them into a, a restrictive yeah. class together more or less okay so yeah. this is a guy who famously said uh, taking acid is less dangerous than sitting on a horse or riding a horse right ecstasy versus ecstasy yeah 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 not popular with our government <laughs> no but, um, not at all doesn't make it any less true you know <laughs> yeah well yeah it's, it was you know he he, he substantiated it <laughs> you know unfortunately yeah. for for the government but um, but no, this is the thing which goes as well to the the, the problem, maybe not problem, but 
something that can be worked on in the UK um, that we see a lot in other jurisdictions is dialogue as well, dialogue with the regulatory authorities, dialogue with the government. Uh, I'm not here to say that our government is not having dialogue, but there needs to be uh, an open-mindedness and there needs to be a, you know, a progressive approach to this, you know, and, uh, you know, we see in Canada, for example, Health Canada, who, who you know, uh, licensed uh, psilocybin treatment as palliative care for, you know, a few of those people who were suffering from terminal cancer. That was a dialogue that happened. And even though it was for a small amount of people, there was a, 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 an interest there, you know, there was something that could be seen and, uh, you know, they pounced on that, which is good. You know, we'd like that with our regulatory authorities and we might see this post COVID, you know, the, uh, you know, I think you want to, yeah, the mental health outfall. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I keep banging on about it. It's an unmet need, you know, there's going to be a huge unmet need for, um, you know, the treatment of people who suffer from mental health problems from mm. the pandemic. It's going to be very interesting to see. And hopefully the dialogue will start. So, yeah, I think uh, one thing that sorry, well, sorry. There's, yeah, no, no, that, 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 that ties into what I was about to say, actually, they, um, you know, we, we get it started basically by, um, well, circulating a lot of white papers with, you know, to, to all the right people. Really what we need to do though is, is prove that it works by taking one of these drugs to market through the clinical trial regulatory approval process that any other medicine will go through. Because once it's gone through its clinical trials, one, two, three, and it eventually gets signed off, we've proven it. I mean, no one can dispute that. You've got, you've got kind of evidence. Um, what I don't think a lot of people appreciate is just how much better psychedelic medicines are than what we've got available at the moment. Um, if you compare, take traditional treatment for depression, say, so most, I think it's about 50% of participants in a, in a study will respond to a typical SSRI and it takes about eight weeks to work. And then when it works, it works to a, a very modest extent. If you compare that to psilocybin in the original uh, imperial trials they did, 100% of study participants responded and it was after a week, like one eight. And then if you actually look at the, the, the detail, 67% of those were actually depression free, not just improved after one week. It's like comparing black and white. Um, and I think as that message starts to trickle through, hopefully that the regulators will, will loosen up a little bit on their on their restrictions and we'll get a bit bit more movement. Yeah, I know this is completely anecdotal, but I, I have uh, experimented with shrooms in the past and I had no idea about any of the research around them, nothing. I was quite ignorant to everything really. And I remember saying to a friend a few weeks after, like, I feel remarkably good. Like, I just feel really good. Like, I don't know why. I don't know what's changed, but I just feel really good. And then I went down a rabbit hole about, I think it was called the afterglow. And I just started looking at all this stuff. Yeah. And I kind of, there seems to be a crossroads with when I started feeling really good and mm. when I took the shrooms. So mm. I don't know. It's an anecdote. Funny but coincidence, huh? That so will cool. affect yeah. any policy. <laughs> you can take my testimony. <laughs> That's the thing. The thing is, what's interesting as well is, that, and what you know, what people have got to think about when you talk about psychedelic medicines is that they help us understand the brain. It's not just treatment, and it's not yeah. just you know, like help people get better. But you're, you're finding out new things uh, about how our brain works mm. and how it operates. And you know, uh, yeah, it's just oh, transcendental. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Really but is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, exactly and that's um uh, but then yeah you know we, we talk about uh, uh you talk about these drugs and 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 how you know they should there should be a, a looser regime and you know the the benefits that they have you know and could it could these things could these drugs and these medicines as well spill over into recreational you know 
That's another can of worms, actually. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, this is no. I think it's a great question because you've got this this parallel between cannabis and um, and psychedelics. What other medicines do we have other than a couple of fairly boring pain meds that can be used recreationally? They don't, and they've got this, this huge other dimension to it. It's like mm. people have been doing this for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and we know them very well. We know exactly what they do, and um, you know from unofficial research because there's communities that like to, to use them a lot. Um, and that's not going to stop. So it, it definitely yeah, won't. And people won't stop taking them. That's the thing. And what was it? So I'm not. Okay, I'm not government bashing here. But they did. There was this announcement. There was this announcement a couple of days ago about um, they've just allocated 148 million pounds to spend on uh, tackling the scourge of illegal drugs. Now that's 148 million pounds that's being spent on. You know, I think they said something like 20,000 new police officers. Uh, tackling crime, organised crime in communities, you know, that, that have been torn apart by these drugs. Is you know, is this is this is this a good use of government funds? You know, this is something that you know, the the the, the cheeky cheeky comments I read and people saying, well, you know, these were only crimes until you decided to make them one. You know, they never were originally. So it's you know, it's, again, we go back to the priorities of the government here. You know, uh, what, what, what's what's important? You know, is 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 it taping over a bandage or or, or are we taking psilocybin to cure our inner turmoil you know maybe, maybe they should take this assignment <laughs> don't quote me on that <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is something that me and nick we talk about quite a lot where the it's sort of the legalization versus decriminalization and that i think decriminalization probably falls more into the hands of people who do use it for medicine and recreation because if you go somewhere mm. like Prague, you can have x amount of every single drug on you and you're fine but as soon as you're like dealing yeah. or anything like that, then it's a problem. So why can't it be the same? Or how do we make it the same? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what I want to know. Yeah. Question. I mean, they did it in Portugal. They, 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 they decriminalized everything and the results yeah. were brilliant. You know, I mean, you know, every, all, all the measures that you, you could, you know, measures like that by drop down, crime went down, health went up, um, you know, people's interests. I know. I don't want to say like I was going to say steps of acquiescence. I guess you know there's um, uh, we uh, have you, I'm sure you've heard of CanCard. Um, yeah. You know this is a you know, phenomenal initiative. You know set up by Carly Barton. You know amazing idea. You know and it's you know they've got the police federation on board. You know this is this is what we look for for first steps of you know the acceptance. And we've got we've got to, we've got to you know understand that still you know cannabis might not be widely accepted anyway you know um socially anyway you know, sometimes people might find the smell offensive or you know imposing much like cigarette smoke no one wants to be around cigarette smoke you know yeah. so but the idea of getting people to accept that this is something that is going to be uh, a daily thing in people's lives you know the, the the police want to focus on other priorities you know this is the first step we'd like to think towards possibly decriminalization because there are going to be other priorities and other focuses and you know, i think that's what, that's what happened in canada wasn't it, elliot so they had they there was a, a policy of you know just you know let the people get on with what they need to do and then eventually yeah. we've got full-blown legalization now so mm. baby steps it sounds like the dream that yeah <laughs> isn't it yeah, exactly <laughs> but like, we get teased a lot about canadian american counterparts like oh we've got oh. seven strains of kush here we've got 18 hey do you want it's like and then we've got the team biscuits guys we're fine <laughs> and the, the fact that the cannabis dispensaries are, are labeled as essential shops there i mean oh know, the canadians got their priorities correct you know i know i'm real Somebody stopped I, me from moving out of that. <laughs> I always find it crazy that, like, just looking at it from, like, my perspective, the fact that alcohol is so embedded into our society, and I, I know you mentioned some people might find smell of weed offensive, same with cigarettes. 
equally, I think a lot of people find drunken, aggressive people roaming down the street, mm-hmm. starting problems, like, super offensive. Uh, um, but it's just so accepted and so normal. And I think that like watching throughout COVID how the government and fair enough, people have livelihoods and the economy needs to you know keep going. But how pubs have been a real corner point, you know, keep them open, you know, it's helped them mm. survive. You know, when, if I look at cannabis, so if I look at a psychedelic drug like mushrooms and I compare them, you know, with the knowledge that I have against uh, alcohol, I think alcohol is far worse, far more dangerous, has far more repercussions to, uh, you know, the economy in terms of what it does. We need more police, healthcare. Yeah, uh, you know, exactly. I just don't understand. And, and the big irony behind it. Well, the big irony behind it is they're using psychedelic medicines to treat people who abuse alcohol. So if that doesn't speak to, you know, the harms and the benefits of these uh, substances, I don't know what does. But can you imagine if, I mean, I, 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 love, I love a beer, you know, I love a drink, love, love a good vodka martini. But can you imagine if you told someone or if, you know, or ha- drink, have a, have a few of these, uh, you know, you'll feel great. And then the next morning he's like, you're like naked lying on the back of like someone else's couch and you're thinking, what the hell am I got here? And you, you describe that to your friend. They'd be like, that sounds horrible. What a yeah. terrible thing to take. You'd be like, oh yeah, but it was great at the time. But I don't remember any of it. And you think, well, to some people that might be a great night out, but I don't know. It just, you know, if you look at it objectively, you think, oh God. Yeah, you know, I'll just take this little pill and spend all night hugging someone. Like, that sounds way better. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, yeah. If you start making those comparisons, though, it gets even more ridiculous because, yeah. <laughs> so if you, no, let's do that for a second because it's interesting. You, you look at alcohol and some of the behavior that we see from that, which is terrible. Then you look at some like MDMA and you see lots of very lovely connecting, you know, love between people. Okay, let's look at cannabis. It makes people just want to sit down, eat a bunch of Cheetos and stare at the TV. And they're saying that that, you know, is, is more than, I mean, I remember being in, you know, in, in circles and looking at people's behavior and thinking, I couldn't get these guys to commit a crime if I spent 10,000 pounds a head. Like, <laughs> you know, they're not going to move. And yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous. Um, but then again, we don't, we don't do it on an evidence base. Yeah. We don't sort of do it in any, in, in any sort of rational basis either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big sort of, uh, I, don't know, I always get confused as to this, you know, the whole, you know, I follow the decriminalized nature movement and I just always find it absolutely bizarre that you've gone and taken the plant arbitrarily decided that it's going to be terrible and damaged to your health and turned it into this evil weed that is going to send you crazy. Or, you know, it doesn't make any sense. There's a, it's a mushroom that grows out in the field. It's, it's a plant. It's a, it's a weed. It's a plant. It grows all over the place. You know, it's just, how can you just arbitrarily decide that this thing is going to, kill you, hurt you, harm you, without any scientific yeah. study anyway. Yeah. So the irony is like, you need a scientific study to prove not, but they don't need a scientific study to prove it, it is. Uh, yeah. 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 It was all the hemp. It was all for hemp. Is, is it all, it comes back to the same thing every time. Is it all about the money? About well, yeah. certain people yeah, lying in their pockets. Isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, if we look at the two great big examples, we had, I think... It's capitalism, yeah. Egypt, yeah. They made a really big fuss in, oh, I can't remember, I think it was the 50s. It was before the... Um, the UN, the 61 convention, and that was because hemp paper threatened cotton and papyrus, I think, mm. well, cotton, yeah, it was, and it threatened their, their, their clothes trade. And if you go back further, you look at the same issue with hemp threatening newspapers, tycoons that were invested in trees, and that's where they put their paper from. And then if you look at how obvious it is on our commercial, like in terms of economics, how much that threatens that, and then you look at the evidence you've got in terms of personal, um, 
you know dangers to health it's, it's like this it's, it's really it's very also don't forget don't forget don't forget the you know the the racism that was governed around it as well you know associating with black people associating yeah. with mexicans as well in the states you know that and that that is that carries on now it's it's it's, it's seriously best up stuff actually yeah. 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 Uh, it's pretty crazy i mean we've been we've we've looked into that whole um the hemp versus pharmaceuticals, hemp versus cotton, hemp versus whatever yeah. else. And it always just as I say it always seems to come back to whoever needs to line their pockets is yeah, they're yeah. the ones that have yeah, the most yeah. influence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think it's, it's crazy how effective as well. It, you know, the, these kind of products are as well. I mean, uh, you know, uh, that, what was it? I, I had um, uh, some uh, dry skin, some eczema. Not really, I think talk about, but it's on, just on my knuckles. And uh, you know, you use the moisturizer or use whatever you, you buy in boots and stuff that you know has been gone through all the, you know, the testing. And then I bought some um, some hemp uh, hemp butter, scrubbed it on, went away in about four days. Uh, yeah, that, that is a genuine anecdote. Yeah, I've, just, I've heard this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's amazing. It's incredible. And, There's you know, some incredible I'm, I'm, stories I'm, out I'm, there. I'm, There's some amazing stories. The Charlotte, um, Charlotte's Web. Yeah, yeah Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web. Yeah. There's yeah. some amazing stuff out there. That I think you're right though. I think we just need more and more studies. Maybe if we can take one through, uh, like the full process that any drug has to go through in the UK and then release it to market. I mean, that mm. way, maybe that would be an interesting. It sounds like. Route. We need like kind of like an, an, an Elon Musk but for the cannabis industry. So he just, just some incredibly rich billionaire who just plows all his own finance into getting yeah. cannabis through uh, on, off his own back just to prove that it's okay, you know, um, medically and, you know, uh, and, and, and with all the other um, psychedelic drugs as well. And then boom, everyone else can piggyback off that and then happy days. So, so, so what do you think from a legal perspective, what is the next thing or what, what big change has to happen here to move us that bit closer to legalization for cannabis for other psychedelic medicines okay i'll, I'll just go with my take on sites and if you want to chat about cannabis um <laughs> they, they, you need to you need to make it easier for the researchers to do the work so we've had so many accounts of again very very distinguished top scientists saying we we can't spend the money and and the three years it takes fighting with the home office to get a license to do these trials we've lost the interest like you know i mean it, it's um you've got those sort of barriers you've also got um public perception to be honest and um, we've got to get it right because when i tell people what i do for a living even people that are very close to me some of them just don't seem to get it because they've still mm. got this revenue in their head that drugs are these terribly evil things and um, when I think we get the message to drugs like anything and like cars, you know, a car is very safe if you drive it properly. And if you drive it into the side of someone's legs, it's really bad and painful and it's the same with drugs. If you take a driving license, you can learn how to use the car. If you know how to use the psychoactive plants and chemicals, then there's just, it's just like anything else. Um, I think those are probably the next two. The other thing I'd say is the evidence base. We, we've got to get evidence before the right people because that's the first, this is what nice, um, they, they issued guidelines and they they said there's the evidence isn't there uh, i won't say whether i think that's right or wrong but we need to make sure they can't make that point anymore i think there is um i think there's a certain um acceptance as well with nice that you know uh, and, and these other bodies that eventually you know critical mass will 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 will, will will be gained and you know real world evidence will be something that will have to be taken into account it just, it just has to be there otherwise there's just no practicalities to it so yeah but i mean from a cannabis perspective I mean, the, the first thing I feel, I feel, which, you know, it's always been a problem now, is always this issue with hemp flower. 
you know, um, it's, it's, it's non-psychoactive, essentially, or well, depending on how much CBD is, as long as there's a minimum amount of CBD and we'll throw out 0.2% for the sake of the EU-approved seeds list. But, you know, this is something that can be made uh, quite simply uh, legal or not controlled. Uh, and then you wouldn't have um, any problem with people who are, uh, you know, navigating this gray area of what they can do because they don't see the logic in CBD which is completely non-psychoactive and that, that non-psychoactive element is to shove down everyone's throat. And then they go, well, this is hemp flower. This is also non-psychoactive and I can smoke it, but why is this illegal? So, you know, a simple, a simple, uh, simple reform like that, which will allow maybe uh, the public and the police and the government authorities to see, well, you've still got a flower, you know, it's almost like a, a marketing move as well. You've got the flower, yeah. which is uh, something which is going to be accept accepted now the buzz the floods and eventually from then we can move on to maybe talking about having a conversation about the more psychoactive elements of it because still you know the the problem here with the psychoactive element is that it, there is um, a low potential for abuse but there still is a potential for abuse and also there's always there's always going to be one person there's always going to be someone who might not react well and that's always going to be shouted out more than the people who do so you know this that's why maybe there's a little bit more hesitancy but these conversations will be happening once we take the first step of maybe getting a flower a hemp flower low cbd um cannabis low thc cannabis sorry um you know uh, legalized and then yeah the conversations should be should be ha should be taking a step from there because you think well hang on so we've done this and let's do this and then let's do this and, and then yeah hopefully we'll get there <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird as well because, like you say, CBD is is uh, legal in the UK or whatever. Like, you can buy products in the shop. But if I wanted to go on to, if I wanted to get a CBD seed that is guaranteed to have less than 0 0.2 or 0 0.3% THC but has a high CBD count, and I wanted to grow that in my house, that's still illegal. Even though the end product that you would get from it, I can go into the shop yeah. and oh. buy, well, yeah. you can buy something yeah, that's that maybe a patchwork of like laws you said. Yeah, illegal, legal, illegal, legal. That's the same problem, you know. That even the, the cultivators get it. Like they want to make something that's legal, uh, and they've got to go th through something that's illegal, even though they kind of throw all the illegal bits away. And it, yeah, it, it stops them from doing it. Um, yeah, well, it doesn't make commercial sense. It's yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's and then and, and that kind of stuff. And then, then you then you then you're opening up the market for monopolies yeah. because there's only one uh, one group or one company that could afford things, and then who knows where you go from there. So. Yeah, it is bizarre. And you were saying that um, with the licensing, if you overgrow even by a small fraction, if you get a license to grow a hemp or a CBD and you overgrow by a tiny fraction, just a really, really small amount, maybe say, I don't know, one ounce, they can then take away the whole crop that you spent a few months making. And then that's obviously not going to be commercially viable <laughs> at all. So it does yeah, really dissuade yeah. people from wanting to get involved at all. Yeah, you screwed your whole business. And, and an, another thing that um, uh, I heard recently as well is I think um, that, that this whole business of uh, growing hemp to extract CBD is putting the actual, the actual hemp farmers or the actual farmers who want to grow industrial hemp not to extract CBD, but to actually use it for hempcrete or building, you know, other kind of building materials for clothes. You know, their licenses are getting scrutinized even more now because the people are thinking, well, you're going to start extracting CBD from it. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that they shouldn't scrutinize them anyway, but the point is that these guys are genuine farmers. You know, we have, we have the British Hemp Federation. These guys are here to, to create hemp for the benefit of, of you know, society and the infrastructure, you know, not to extract CBD from it. But yes, they're still getting treated as if they're, you know, they're getting unfairly treated, like these CBD companies are getting unfairly treated with, with too much scrutiny because of, you know, um, miseducation and misunderstanding. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. 
I've looked into the license so many times, like just to see the ins and outs of it. The cost is just, I mean, it's not, if you've got like a huge plot of land, it's going to be worth it because of the money you're going to get back. But it is quite expensive if you're just like a small sort of person to get involved. And it's not just as straightforward as, right, I want to start a business. Here we go. I mean, yeah, to give you an idea, I mean, if we did separate the the cost that you actually have to pay the uh, the home office for the license, which can be, you know, around five grand, depending on what you're doing. And then you separate out the cost for, for preparing a site, which could be hundreds, because you've got all the security. But there, there are many companies that are offering just, just to, to look at your business plan, to tell you whether you're actually going to be able to do what you want to, into the hundreds of thousands, because it's that complicated. And, you know, the companies don't have millions at the moment. You, you, you can't do it. And that's absurd, because I could put some seeds in a thing, put it on my windowsill, and we just grow. We know what it's, you know, it's a problem. Yeah, it's not a difficult plant to grow, is it? It's, not. it's a very resilient plant. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. Actually, it's yeah. an incredibly bad What was it something as well? Like it attracts bees as well, more than any other plant? Or, you know, mm. cl- it cleans soil. CO2, it, extra- yeah. it extracts CO2 from the atmosphere. Green scrubs, yeah. Plant. Well, what are we doing? It's crazy. We're still away from like the cure of everything, but sometimes the evidence is there and you just think, well, hang on. So talking, talking about growing, just for a moment, you remind me of something. Uh, sometimes we, we've seen a lot of petitions of people, you know, just trying to fight the good fight, you know, putting petitions forward, trying to get, um, you know, parliament's debate legalizing cannabis. And typically they let these things run. And if they did let it run, I'm sure there's, you know, it at least hit 100,000 to get debate. There's more than enough support for these things. But mm. the government are quite quick to find these on their system and just shut them down before <laughs> they go anywhere to 100,000. They always cite the same thing. I'm not sure of the exact language, but it's something like uh, cannabis has been proven to have no medical benefit and therefore we're not going to debate this. Now, my question is, the UK are the largest exporter of medical cannabis. This is, this is a known, I don't think this is a conspiracy language. I do believe no, no, this is known. No, yeah. um, it's mainly grown in East Anglia. So how is a government allowed to create a product, export the product under the guise of it being a medical product, but then not allow people in their own country to get them to debate uh, you know, the viability of having this legal or, or used as a, as a medical product for their own people? Mm. I'm going I'm to try not because I'm going to a polemic. Uh, yeah, I, I've got to divide my personality. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, on a lighter note, before I do switch, I like, maybe the government, maybe they, maybe they just don't know what to debate about. You know, I don't, I don't know. Is that I mean, you think in terms of the language of the petition that needs to be put forward? Oh, you're welcome to come and talk to us about petitions. I will as we possibly can on that. Um, it's tricky. I, I think I, I don't think anyone's really scrutinised it before because it doesn't add up. And the thing is, there are so many things that don't add up that once you, you start seeing them all, um, you end up. This is where you end up with, with protests. You get that a little bit with cannabis and stuff. Um, it, 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 there isn't anywhere that I've, I've seen a strong, um, coherent argument that you know that, that makes sense. Um, I, I, and then we'll just we'll just go around the circles, unfortunately, and, and bang our heads against walls if we if we try and examine their logic. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, is, I is mean, there even need for even is there even need for debate? I guess as well. Um, you know, it, it may, may, maybe maybe it might be something that you know this is you know as we were talking about with with psychedelic medicines, you know, the, the cannabis thing. It might just be convenient at some point you know to uh, make legislative changes because we need to raise money post-covid because mm. you know brexit is having an effect on our economy i don't know it, that's the thing and and then 
then it doesn't have to be given the importance that everyone wants to be giving it. And the government doesn't seem like they're acquiescing to the people by going, okay, we'll listen to you. They'll be like, nope, this is our decision because this is what we're doing and this is our policy. So, you know, that could be potentially something they're thinking about. Thinking about. I mean, it makes sense. I think based on when we spoke to um, a couple of other, other guests in America who've happened on previously, one thing that they've all sort of alluded to is that only change ever gets made when it's someone who's in the position to make the change somehow manages to see the effect of what cannabis or the psychedelic drug can do. Like, for example, in America, like, I don't know, it's probably one senator whose niece had something wrong and then used some cannabis. And then all of a sudden now that state has got like legal cannabis sort of thing. Are you suggesting we should hotbox the House of Commons? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't think it's such a terrible yeah. idea yeah we yeah. can only be in the house it. yeah have some mushrooms around in the gardens maybe yeah i think um, that's a really good point you make because it's what well, it's billy Cadwell and um and alfie dingley and all the others all over again as yeah. soon as we had these very um you know moving um, emotive stories in the press the the, 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 the legislators woke up and and it didn't take them long to change the law yeah. unfortunately there's you know we got hit with whole other problem but about, about the guidelines to us from getting those those medicines through but that is what it is in, you know the people need to not just have a, this sort of faint nagging voice in the background can you change this can you change this they need to see it um, yeah. in all, all the, the, the screen color and it's a shame that it has to get that bad before it will um but yeah that's right. that's so, the, and also that's the huge irony isn't it as in like you know what we were talking about earlier about you know the the reluctance to accept real world evidence and you know you're talking about actually real world evidence is probably the most effective thing and you know even at I mean, anecdotal as well. You know, if you have someone who's been touched by something and you see the change in them, then God, that's more than anything that will help, you know, affect reform. Yeah. Why why has that initiative of uh, getting access to, you know, children with Tourette's syndrome or people having seizures in the UK, um, THC products, why has that, I would class that as a failure, really, I think from the perspective that maybe doctors are unwilling to prescribe or even really get involved or maybe they i don't know if maybe the messaging hasn't been clear to what gps can and can't do but what has gone wrong there right let's start off with the fact that as soon as they change the law they the several bodies um in the gmc nice um there are a few others who are involved in that i can't remember they they all issued guidelines which made it incredibly restrictive who could actually receive this on, on government funding so You've got epilepsy could be treated with medical cannabis, as on the NHS, uh, multiple sclerosis, and nausea and vomiting from from chemotherapy. That's it. Right. That, and if you think of the hundreds and hundreds of different things you can you can use cannabis to treat um, things for, that that doesn't really make any sense. Other than that, um, I think it's doctors, and I'll let Nick talk about a bit about this. Um, they, they they're not trained. They, you know, their the, the training doesn't include what to do. So even if, you know, the guidelines said go ahead and the law said go ahead, if a doctor's sitting there and, and the, you know, they don't have any information about it, we've got another bottleneck. Yeah, it's true. It's the education as well. I mean, you can imagine, um, okay, imagine if you're a GP and, you, and you've, got, you've got a patient coming to you saying, well, look, you know, I, I, I want to smoke cannabis or I want to ingest cannabis, I want to take cannabis in some sort of way because it helps me like this. And it, it's almost a professional duty for him to say, well, you know, we have medication. I've been, you know, I've been trained to give, you know, to diagnose you and, and prescribe medicines in a different way, not something that he probably would see that comes from the street. You know, so again, that might be a gradual shift in education, but, uh, uh, you know, I can understand where that thinking comes from. 
you know, what, are we getting people self-diagnosing themselves now? That's, that's the worry, you know. Uh, I might think, oh, oh yeah. I, I don't have to go to a GP to think that I've got anxiety or I don't need to go to a GP to think that I can't sleep, so I'm just going to buy weed and smoke it. But that's, I think that might be the worry. There has, to be that, there has to be that infrastructure, don't you think, Elliot? I mean, there has to be some sort of yeah. a, a, official, official path to be able to prescribe it. Yeah. I, I tell you, the other thing that makes it complicated, and it is at that end when it comes through to the consumer, it's yeah. that it's much more complicated than, than just giving someone weed. Mm. Um, you know, we see people that have gone through seven, eight, nine, ten different strains before they find yeah. something that really helps them. And it, it's also about the dose as well. Like, if you, it, there's an enormous difference between a small dose of THC will reduce anxiety levels generally. A larger dose of THC will generally increase them. And that's the opposite. So if someone comes to you with an anxiety, I've got this same thing is going to make it much better or much worse, depending on how you use it and what you've been told about it. Um, and I think that goes down to understanding how much we understand about the plant and the cannabinoids. Um, so yeah, we'll it's interesting. That it makes it sound like the uh, the GPs could be the bud tenders of the future. So you <laughs> oh, well. like, you know, <laughs> like, let me just yeah. reach into my cabinet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The boxes are going to smell great, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fumes coming yeah. out. Well, artificial or plants? Or plant yeah. I think with, oh, with that, is bright. <laughs> Do you think with that whole situation, um, as you say, sort of like um, self. Uh, diagnosis and things like that. Do you think there's also a bit of a worry from the government that people might think that people will just take advantage like of the system and just walk into a GP and say, oh, like I have this, or I have anxiety yeah. or something when really they don't like suffer from it, yeah. but they just want legal weed. Like glaucoma in America. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they should though, right? Because people I mean, can some get people it. well. Let's, we have to accept that, don't we? I mean, some people yeah. are going to, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, we would like to think that everyone is sensible enough to uh, to understand what they're getting into and what and, and why they're using it. You know, um, if if you people abuse people abuse um, prescription medications all the time, mm -hmm. you know, so you can ask the same question about that. So, but at least with uh, yeah, at least with cannabis or at least with the symptoms, they, they can be alleviated and. You know, uh, it's, it's it's on your shoulders if you're cheating the system. So, yeah. So essentially, the, the issue lies within, you know, not being able. We need to be able to educate doctors and give them information, saying this amount of THC could help for this issue, this could help for this, and then once the education is there, maybe they'd feel more comfortable prescribing uh, for you know whatever their patients are coming to them for. Well, it might be. It might be that there's going to be sort of a doctor of the future who will just specialise in cannabis-based medicines. Yeah. You know, uh, completely yeah. separate from a GP. Then that's it. And then, and you can have uh, you have separate qualifications, separate education. You know, mm. uh, I don't know how a medicine degree will work, but but you know, you would have to specialise and focus on that. And you know, that's when you will start talking about the different levels of cannabinoids and prescribing certain medicines. You know, it's and it, and it brings it away from maybe the slightly gnarly street view of it and having it more in a clinical setting gnarly street view was that <laughs> i think it comes there's no view there's that view isn't even there anymore what I'm talking about. <laughs> i think it all comes yeah, back no, to that's what I'm saying. something we've, we've touched on already which is the like the testing mm. that's the thing until they actually allow more and more testing like they don't know the only thing you know about cannabis is that it can't kill you right yeah so yeah. why is that not good enough considering the fact that if you got, even with ibuprofen, you can take too many yeah. ibuprofen, right? You can take too many paracetamol. Yeah. You can't, it's, yeah. almost, it's almost physically impossible to take too much cannabis, right? So why can't they just yeah. use that as a base of, oh, maybe this will be safer. 
like moving forward and just let us test. I, I, it must be a stigma it must be a stigma so it's because it's like you know you, you know millions of people smoke cannabis every day but then one of those one of those people will, will would have a psychotic reaction and then the daily mail plus on the front page and then my mom calls me up and goes cannabis is bad and i'm like well hang on a second <laughs> you know that's, that's a lot of it isn't it yeah it's one of those stigma uh, yeah those biases we have that the more Sorry, we hear mom. about something the more we <laughs> the, the more we think it is and actually look what are the media reports something like i can't remember the exact figures but give a ball it was something like 80 percent of deaths that resulted from paracetamol Sorry, sorry. They, they they report something like ten percent of deaths from paracetamol and and eighty percent of the deaths from ecstasy tablets. Um, if we had a, a balanced media reporting, then maybe yeah. the public would get a better idea. The stigma would go away, and then we could all carry on acting sensibly. Unfortunately, man overdoses on paracetamol isn't so good for clicks. I think so. Yeah. Here's the thing, like yeah, you know, I don't think there's. I think there has been research to show that you know, if you're predisposed to mental health uh, issues, like uh, having psychotic breaks or, you know, just issues of that nature, then cannabis can uh, give you an early onset for those problems. But I equally think that if we were in a system where cannabis was legalized and regulated, you know, just how alcohol is, for example, um, you know, people would be firstly less inclined to start smoking when they're like 13 and 14, because it wouldn't be that, you know, it wouldn't be that, it'd be more normalized. But secondly, the messaging would be clearer because you'd be allowed to talk mm. about it in that way. You could do the research, you could show. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that it's a shame. Like you say, the, mm. the small problems are the ones that are highlighted and spoken about True. the most, which um, mm. not ideal. Do you get a lot? Yeah. Elliot works in a church, by the way. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. This is right. <laughs> do, you, do your customers go, how well informed are they about? I mean, today do you get a look of good information from them about about this sort of stuff or i mean i think it it really varies customer to customer to customer um yeah. i mean as as i'm sure both of you probably know most stoners or people who are interested in in cannabis are more than happy to get lost in a wormhole on on google on youtube whatever so mm. some people have a lot of information that might not necessarily be true um, a lot of people yeah. have the information that is right, and then a lot of people have a mix, like of the two. Yeah. Um, even someone we spoke to, uh, Frenchy Canoli, who's in America, he's like a legendary hash maker. Even he was saying that there's stuff that, even though he's been doing this for like the last 40 years or whatever, there's still things that he learns, things he doesn't know, things that he yeah. thought was true but then isn't true, and you still don't really know. So it's it's kind of a mixed bag. I think, uh, I think and it's interesting when you're dealing with something that's so subjective, that has almost, a, you know, you can say a subjective effect on people. Yeah, everyone experiences things differently. It's so hard to pin down, yeah. uh, you know, what everyone's experiences are. I think the overarching feeling is that people just feel like they're being uh, somewhat marginalized or that their voice isn't able to be heard or they're being targeted because they are interested in a plant that some other people have said, no, 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 that's a bad thing. Um, and I think when people start to smoke for themselves, they start to experiment with cannabis or other things and they realize that potentially what they've been taught about their childhood may not be correct and they gain a different yeah. perspective. It's been, it's been a, a smear yeah. campaign that's been going on for almost yeah. a century, basically. Yeah. Um, and a very effective one. So effective that is now ingrained in people um, you know, from growing up. Yeah, from, from growing up now. You know, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. But it's changing, it's changing. Look, Mexico, biggest recreational market in the world. Bang fantastic mm. you know um mm. it's just it's just going to be yeah it's going to change quickly and then you know and as we see these big countries you know embracing it maybe the smaller ones will too yeah I, I also do think and you know i don't know 
we spoke about it loads of times. I don't know how we'd set it up like to have it happen really quickly, but in terms of the impact coronavirus has had on our economy and the taxation you could get from <laughs> legalizing uh, cannabis, you know, I think now is a better time than ever. Uh, to, to really a no-brainer isn't it and it, like we've got yeah we've got examples in other jurisdictions it's working fine it works really well it's not like this is a new idea that no one knows what could possibly happen we'll yeah. To, yeah you just talk about the same things you say you know increase jobs boost the um, domestic economy do you know what i mean you're 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 creating a whole you know a whole new sector and industry for you know more jobs for people who work in marketing you know more yeah. more jobs for people who work in events everything just everything is connected for, you know, just from this one industry. So yeah, it just makes a, economic sense, doesn't it? I think it's something you just... Sorry, go on. Go ahead, go on. sorry. No, no, go I was on. just picked up something that the Nick said. Someone was having a chat the other day and they said, yeah, but the problem is as soon as we regulate, you know, drugs, we'll find all that the dealers will suddenly not have anything to do and they'll turn to worse crime. It's like, I've got an idea, right? Why don't we just employ the dealers? They're already doing the job and then they'll have legitimate <laughs> jobs and they'll be paying tax and we'll have the problem. But you, you get these problems everywhere. And then, um, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. We're actually, uh, we've been learning more and more about the Lost Prisoner Project in America and, you know, they help get people yeah. out of prison for um, your cannabis related crimes. And, you know, I think uh, someone we spoke to, a guy called Jeff, who's a cannabis chef, Jeff the 420 chef. Um, uh, yeah. It's one amazing uh, yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. but you know, these people risk their lives, you know, got, you know, lost time out of their lives for something yeah. that in America, especially they're now able to do legally. Of course, we should give the opportunities to these people. Of course, you know, we should, you know, I think that'd be the best thing to do. Especially as, like, especially as you know, um, in the eyes of these people, and these, you know, this is these are horticulturalists. You know, these are people who are absolute specialists on top of their field. You know, yeah. it's, it's a it's a science almost to to be able to cultivate and cultivate effectively, and you know, to get the most out of your you know your cannabis. It's it's incredible, and you know, by by law they're deemed criminals. But you know, these these people should be definitely given that opportunity. And yeah, and and I and in their eyes, they probably don't see themselves as committing a crime because it's a skill of theirs, and you know, and also the people who are supplying it for the people who need it, they're doing them a whole wealth of good. So, yeah, it's it's hard to marry those two up. There, that misconception, really. I mean, the the one main thing I've heard, uh, I think I've said this on a previous podcast, but I'll repeat myself again. The one main thing I've heard about um, Canada and their legal sort of environment is that the legal weed is just dog shit basically um but <laughs> from, from what we've just said in theory if you let's say you put someone in prison two years ago for growing weed in their house and they've been doing it for 10 years or whatever if you put them in charge of growing the plants maybe on a smaller scale in like a private company you're probably going to get much better results and then everyone's gonna be like oh maybe i should go to the to the medical licensed people as opposed to oh, going to my street dealer mm. so i think it makes sense to give those people like those real opportunities and actually yeah. that will boost if anything the like legal side of it i think well, when they say when they say like um you know the, the the legal weed is shit is that stuff that's just produced produced by canopy or afria like one of the big big guys or, sure or are we talking about yeah, just a little the, the sort of like because you know i would say dispensaries well that, yeah well that's that's the worry isn't it because you know you've got you've got a market which is kind of it kind of fits like the kind of craft grower more do you know what i mean because you it's it, each person has their own individual taste and how they want to grow and that and it's almost like like i said like with any craft um, industry craft beer craft 
pot. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so you know, then as soon as you go, as soon as you get to like, um, you get craft pot industry, don't you? I don't mean pot. I, just invented a, <laughs> I mean, I think there is one. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Craft pot. There, yeah. But yeah, so I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not surprised that Canopy or Afria are, uh, are selling lower than uh, uh, decent quality marijuana because they probably have higher margins and they need to make a little bit of a profit and we all see how Aurora are doing. So yeah. yeah I mean, we've we've but, learned a hell of a lot about America over the last few months, speaking with people out there. And two, the two of the things we've heard is that is number one, it's these big companies doing these massively over manufactured grows with pesticides and, you know, the same boring strain. Um, that's one issue. And another issue is that buying a strain through the legal market, let's say in California, right? You can go to a dispensary you're paying tax on top of the price that you'd normally pay your dealer. So mm. in California, still high tax, really well. high tax. Yeah. So in California, 80% of the weed that is grown, 80% of the weed that is grown is still the black market. It, well, you know, the illegal market. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've heard that too. The gray market, isn't it? Yeah, the gray market. Exactly. Even though they've got yeah. all of that infrastructure there and you know, it's legal, you can't just walk into a dispensary. You know, you're being the people who own dispensaries are being taxed out. That's a whole different issue. But then the people going there to buy the product they are also being overpriced. So, hopefully, if we do replicate that in the UK, we at least learn from some of the mistakes that you know, have been happening out in America and Canada and elsewhere. Well, that's the thing, and, and, and you know, people in the UK, like Elliot and myself, are, you know, we're super knowledgeable about that stuff. You know, we, we want we want to actually help. There's, there's no that you know, there's no there's no activist lawyering here. This is like you know, you know, work and support with the with the government, work and support with the agencies. You know, work and support with you know the uh, you know, all arms that are needed to put you know push this through and make make sure that legalization does happen and that happens smoothly and it happens effectively and you know everyone's happy. I mean, god damn it, when it, when it's legalized, everyone will be happy. So you know that's a that's an end goal. Yeah, happy and happy and hungry. That's good. Yeah, I think I think our grandchildren <laughs> will find it absolutely absurd when we say you know, you know this plant used to be against the law and people yeah. went, went to prison for it. It would just be yeah, exactly. Time. Yeah, right. Do you get involved in any any cases like with people who have been in prison for cannabis or anything like that, that nature? We used to do crime work. We don't do it so much anymore. A little bit comes to us. Um, we, we, we take it on here and there. Um, it's nothing, it's, it's not a large part of our practice, only because the regulatory portion and, and the law reform takes takes centre stage. Um, if I don't know if you've, you've had any crime cases that... No, not really. I mean, I think I think uh, from our side of um, of the law, it's more about, like I said, policy reform and and who did the regulations. That the <clears throat> criminal matters and the cannabis matters are, are are quite distinct, and we're not criminal lawyers. It's quite it's quite nuanced that area of law. But um, you know, hopefully there won't be any criminal cannabis matters once legalization happens. So <laughs> you know, that's the other bonus to the regulatory side of things. I mean, I, this has been said for. I don't know. I can't remember how many times I've heard this this phrase. But do you think it will be legal in the next five to ten years? <laughs> yes, legal. <laughs> uh, you get in completely five to ten. Yeah, some sort of legal. Well, basically, I've been hearing been five ten. to ten years for probably the last five to ten years. So, place a bet. Yeah. Well, that's true. I I would say five years. I reckon yeah, you will yeah. be able to get. I mean, let, let's suppose Cancun lands. And now anyone who has legitimate reason you know, to, 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 to possess shouldn't get enforced against. And if you consider that cannabis can be used to treat sleep issues, it can be used to treat anxiety, headaches, very basic things that we use paracetamol for, that should create, a, I think, de facto decriminalization for the people that, that need it. 
don't quote me on it because I've taken 10 years of course, time yeah. and we might have the same conversation. But in that case, the I'll thing go is, with, like, um, yeah. if it does happen, though, it will happen like that. It, you know, it will happen overnight, you know. And so that's the thing. So, Elliot's right. You know, like you say, we could be sitting here on the 11th hour of. Uh, year four and then boom all of a sudden mm. it will go it will just change you know we don't know that yeah. the progressive you know i talked about the progressive change earlier about you know with hemp and stuff but then, then again t- elliot talking about complete decriminalization that's you know that's something which will yeah probably be almost instantaneous i think i we met, we touched on it earlier i just i just still think that decriminalization as opposed to uh legalization is just such an easier task and also at first much more sensible um, because then you're still only going to get people who are actually really interested in it, in each of those drugs, going to those drugs or cannabis specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just think it oh, it just makes so much sense. I don't understand why they yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, conspiracies are going to start coming out. Yeah, <laughs> I can think of many. Yeah, especially when you consider that. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not going to remember it. But if you, if you look at some of you know farmers' top selling drugs treating things like headaches, treating sleep, treating anxiety, treating uh, depression, treating um, well, everything, everything that the, the, the cannabis and psychedelics treat, unfortunately, conveniently happens to be some of farmers' best episodes. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not for yeah. that. Even COVID, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah, I don't know when that vaccine's coming out, but... Yeah. <laughs> Um, we actually, should we get, we've got some, uh, some we, we sponsor a forum called Grow Room 420 um, and we mm. reached out to people on the forum. We've asked them if they had any questions they wanted to ask. Them. <laughs> we've got a few, if you don't mind, we can, uh, we can just do yeah, it briefly. Sure. If yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Five yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So cannabis be legal. The, fir- <laughs> the first question is, <laughs> can you get me off it? No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> the first question is. <laughs> Um, we what would a patient? Don't worry. <laughs> what would a, that one? If you if you're innocent, <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass me your number. Uh, asking for a friend, they said. No. Uh, what would a patient have to do <laughs> to prove they benefit more from cannabis than a pharmaceutical drug? And I think they're talking about maybe they're being pre- prescribed morphine or something from their doctor, and they want to prove that they think they'd. Yeah. What would they have to do to prove they would benefit more from cannabis than something pharmaceutical? Mm. difficult because it because it, it's the problem is it's not up to them to prove it we wish it was it's up to the people in the clinical trials to prove it um so so i wonder what they're okay so if the doctor go to the doctor and the doctor says no you can't have that because the next this pharma thing um well i think look at the side effects what is the problem with with the pharmaceutical product if it's that it's um you know giving you stopping you from sleeping it's, it's creating nausea and the cannabis doesn't do that make out a list of the things that why, why the cannabis is better a lot of these things are just going to be anecdotal you know there's no test to find out which one's mm. better for you it, it's going to be patient sometimes and- you can even see it in the person so if someone suffers from chronic pain and then they um smoke or ingest or, or consume cannabis and then they are able to move around and walk whereas before they were you know um couch bound Mm. What, what more can you do to prove that, that? Yeah. yeah it's crazy yeah. But you can also go to private if you go to go privately they'll you can get prescriptions um, and those you know that they will not try and give you something um that you haven't come to see them for if you're paying to see them privately if you're so early mm. um, but it's very expensive you know seven eight hundred pound a month for, for a pain prescription that's what we've heard yeah no, it's, yeah. it's crazy that's it's good to know we'll, we'll give the feedback yeah. uh okay <laughs> The next one is, uh, I think we might have touched on it. How does the, go- how does the government get away with 
Keeping cannabis illegal when they allow it to be grown legally and sold for medicine, surely in a court of law, it's a breach of human rights for the government to prosecute us for growing our own medicine, yet goes on legally by their own chumps. Is that a breach of human mm. rights? I mean, the thing is, I, I can understand, I can understand the sentiment hugely, and I can understand the logic. Um, you know, the hands are tied by the law. You know, the um, unfortunately, uh, you know, if if it's something probably to worth look into a little bit more. But you know, if, if the law says what the law says, then it's very hard to deviate from that. You know. Um, uh, and also, uh, I would imagine from a cultural perspective, uh, if, if a case uh, for human rights for someone to grow uh, their own cannabis would be ever taken to a court of law, you know, the, the subject of it being an illegal drug will be very, very, uh, you know, consistently hammered home. Yeah. You know. And yeah. All they'll say is that other jurisdictions are, are satisfied with a uh, lower bar. Uh, than us or a higher bar than us you know I mean? they'll just say we've got higher standards our gold standard mm. says that this isn't safe yet and then I think you'll just get that response it's a great great idea it's a great point and I'd love to find a way that we can put that question to them because mm. it's massively hypocritical it doesn't make any sense it's, it's especially when we're not just as you say someone who's doing it we are the biggest currently or number one or number two we flick between the world um, but it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a great argument it's true. Yeah, no, no one, no one wants to mention any, any, any of the the reasons possibly why you know conspiratorially you know that uh, you know some of these big pharma companies have these licenses and aren't doing anything with it. You know, some so. ideas. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so we Just ideas. Petition one because we've touched on that. Oh, we touched that. Yeah. Um, so last question, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'll just go this yeah. one. Um, Okay, yeah, so what are five basic laws regarding cannabis that everyone should know or sort of maybe like misconceptions of the law, for example, like, um, I don't know, like it's, I don't know if this is a misconception, but like you're allowed to smoke weed as long as you're in your house sort of thing. Yeah. Like, what would you say your top, top, or top few would be like sort of advice and misconceptions? 20 quid a question, that. Actually. 20 quid a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got two that, that stand out to me. Um, okay. One would be the the 0.2% myth. You heard that products are legal if they contain 0.2%. That's never been the case. It's always been one milligram. That, that 0.2 figure doesn't apply. Um, I've got another one, but I'll let you jump in there in case I'm stealing yours because I can't think of many others. <laughs> oh, I mean, but the one, the one that I um, seem to keep banging on about is, is the hemp flower. You know, um, yeah. it, you know, it's 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 sad, but uh, unfortunately, the case is that you know, um, the hemp flower, you know, no matter how little, or you can have you know, 100% CBD, 0% THC, it is it falls under cannabis, and uh, you should know that it is illegal in any form. Just by dumping it in a tea bag doesn't automatically make it tea, unfortunately. Oh yeah, so, that's that yeah. It's legal if it's a, if it's a tea. Don't we? Uh, I, mean, be, I believe that until the very second. <laughs> really? Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's like our department on a wild goose chase trying to track that one down. Turns out someone made it up. It drops though. That's quite funny. Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We did a whole webinar called Myths and Misconceptions, so we should really be able to come up with more of it, shouldn't we? Um, what percent. I mean, the thing is, I guess, um, you know, what's the, there's always that, I, I always find this is probably one that people know about, you know, if you ever busted with, um, uh, with cannabis, uh, one of your defenses is that you're just returning it, officer. Um, and uh, if you can prove that you weren't actually consuming it and that it is, you are on your way 
to return it because you found it as contraband then uh, or as a legal substance, then you get off. But unfortunately, that doesn't really hold up. No, <laughs> ever. Uh, no. <laughs> I've got my misconception slides. Wait, 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 There's the other one where it's like, I hear, I hear one where it's, you know, as long as the cannabis is inside you, then it's legal. You, yeah, you know, but you can't. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, it's, you know, it, it doesn't really, it's about, it's, it's about trying to get the cannabis from wherever it is to inside you without any kind of possession involved. Oh, yeah. And then you're laughing. This is, this is, so, this is a funny one, isn't it? So, so if, you, if we take that with the cannabis or with the mushrooms, in their natural state growing out of the ground, it's, it's not illegal because things aren't illegal to grow out of ground at that point. If you pick it up, you possess it, that's illegal. Once you've consumed it, you're no longer in possession. It's not illegal. So if you can find a way <laughs> of getting that mushroom, maybe like suspending yourself, and I don't know, getting an idiot, and then without, then you'll be fine. Um, that's a business idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an acrobats involved, I think. Um, I've, got, I've got loads of technical myths and misconceptions here, but um, I don't think there's any... I was just thinking on that on that um, whole possession thing. Do you think, I mean, do, would it work if you, I don't know, you were in a field that was full of plants and that field just magically set on fire? And then <laughs> you just so happened, you just happened to be it's there. Chong scene coming up, yeah. You're that, looking at arson and trespassing then. Does that work? Yeah. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> Secondhand yeah. smoking? Yeah, no, yeah. No, it's, it's, I didn't. I didn't like it. You know, reminded me of this ball. video I've seen of this news anchor where they're at a drug yeah. carnival, <laughs> and he's so high, <laughs> he's clearly never smoked before. <laughs> I, I was reading about um, a third-hand smoke and how, like, um, there's, a, there's, there's a there's a proper issue with the fact that if you're smoking a joint and you know the THC molecules, obviously uh, um, the the cannabinoid molecules are floating around in the air. And then when all the smoke goes away, they actually land on, on couches and surfaces. So, you know, theoretically, if you're smoking a lot, you could walk into someone's room, put your hand on their couch and who's been smoking and so get a little bit higher. happened. There's a case actually on that. This is how bizarre this is. There was a, a bus driver. Well. Yeah, he, there was a bus driver who, who came up as using coke on a, on, a, on a drugs test. And he swore by that he had never, ever used it. And everyone believed him for all the right reasons. And it turned out supposedly that the money that he handles every single day all those notes of his coke <laughs> actually went through the skin yeah and it and it, it triggered a reading apparently so i that's believe it I, yeah yeah, yeah well that's it third hand smoke there you go i didn't even think that was a thing i didn't even no neither did i it's not hand smoke yeah <laughs> no idea this is yeah. like no, no. Yeah, that's cool, right? That's, that's I can't think. I mean, did, did we do five or not? I don't know. Yeah. Do you want to throw, do you want to throw a technical one in there, Elliot? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a couple other ones. So people seem <laughs> to think that if you get a CBD product and it's got, I'm advertising for it, if it's got uh, no medical claims on the packaging, then you're fine. Um, they just say things like health and well-being claims. They're not mm. medical. And then actually you see this a lot. But health and well-being claims are also regulated. And people forget about this. You've got even legislation that says you can only say these specific things we pre-approved about certain additives. And CBD isn't on there. So anyone who's, who's making claims about, about CBD at all is technically a breach of packaging. I've got to be a bit careful about that. Um, yeah. Let's see what else we've got on there. Yeah, because I think that's, that's it's quite hard for... That's the biggest issue like with cbd companies isn't it the fact that they have so many rules and regulations and there's so many things you can and can't say and it's just a nightmare it just makes it really difficult we're trying to help people like we, like we do find that you know cannabis companies you can find so much online this goes back to what you guys were saying about, about cosmo um and unfortunately people then do just go off and they do their own thing but 
but we would advise you to take advice. I know it's a bit of a pain, but it will stop you getting the border sta uh, you know, training standards or the border force yeah. or seizing your products and um, yeah. make life a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, we, we find these, uh, when we hear about these laws, we find them bizarre, but you guys must be banging your head against a wall. Uh, don't, don't even start. Don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great being a drug smoker. It's the most frustrating thing I've ever experienced. Uh, it's like, yeah. It makes no sense. I, you know, I, I get, I, you know, every, every day I see in the news at least five cannabis factories, factories around the UK being busted. I mean, how, how many of these uh, factories are there, you know, it's just, ugh, you know, it's such a, I don't know, waste, waste of time, waste of police time anyway. So there are there more, I, I don't know. It seems, I think since lockdown or in the last sort of six to eight months, yeah. that just seems to be flooding my newsfeed. Like, well, did you time. see the one that was found next to the bank of England? Yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? I, I find it, I think it's pretty funny. I mean, I get hide in plain sight. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. 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 Maybe no, the bank has got bored. Uh, so, well, okay, well, we've, we've, given up our, we've given up our commercial lease. So, you know, we've got six months to live out. Let's go to the weekend. Fuck it. Craziness. That's very strange. Having the balls to do that. Like, that, like you yeah. say, it's like the place you expect no one to look. Well, I heard the city were looking into cannabis, but not, not to that regard. So, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> I like that joke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think I posted that on my LinkedIn. So uh, yeah, I repeated the joke. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Look, firstly, thank you both so much for spending all this time with us. It's been incredible just to hear everything that you're doing. And just, it's just a you're confusing area. So it's really good to just have people break it down and just make a bit more sense of everything that's going on. So we really appreciate that. And I'm sure that'll be- forever. Honestly, it's just everyone it. Love it. We'll do, we'll do another one. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's more. Yeah, we'll, we'll do another one. And I'm sure there's people mm -hmm. listening who want to get a hold of you both, not aggressively but maybe contact you <laughs> um, how can That's people great. how can people get in touch best thing to do is probably go to our website um it's mackerel let's make get, get the website right www.mackerel.com uh, it's m-a-c-k-r-e-l-l.com um we've got our contact details in the top right hand corner you've got twitter facebook um we've got you know our normal law firm websites um but yeah other than that you give us a ring our numbers on there anything you need help with we're more than happy um to yeah to whatever it is we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can help yeah i'm on uh i'm on twitter uh um you can find me on linkedin with my name but my tw my my twitter handle is nick underscore the underscore lawyer to say how it is <laughs> you know um <laughs> There's nothing too, uh, nothing too volatile on there, but yeah, I show a lot of interesting news articles and I'm um, awesome. following what's going on. So. Well, we'll leave all those for a follow back. Uh, guys, thank you so much for having us on. It's been really Pleasure. great to see you. Um, really really appreciate it. Any other subjects, we'll, um, yeah, we'd love to come and talk. Yeah.